you think so? Do you think Edward Wood's down, or do you think Edward Wood is delighted? Well, depends what he's delighted with, really. I, I don't think he's down, but uh, there were reports of panic ensuing at Manchester United on Monday evening. They, they put out a statement today, uh, Tuesday, um, about the David De Gea farce, in which they said they were delighted David is staying, they never had any intention of selling him, etc., and so on. Uh, it sounds very calm, but... Uh, uh, all, all sound reports say that it wasn't exactly calm towards the end of the window there. They uh, they were stuck uh, with their mindset on uh, getting a Galactico or two into the, into the club, even late into the day, and didn't manage to do it. Right, well, um, let's briefly touch on the football, which uh, gave some indication of why a Galactico might have been needed. We haven't spoken since the Brugge game. Uh, I did think at one point it was going to be like two and a half weeks after Rooney scored a hat-trick that we were next assembled to talk about it, so that would have been forgotten. But a fantastic hat-trick from Captain Marvel. Yeah, Wayne really found his level there. (laughs) Um, I I thought his movement was good. I thought his touch was good. I thought the amount of space afforded to him was good. Sadly, uh, while you would expect that to provide him with some confidence, it appeared to be extremely short-lived, if indeed there ever was any, because twice against Swansea he had an opportunity to unleash and instead held on to the ball that little bit longer. Um, yeah, he found he his level. Against, yep. Same thing he did against Spurs. No, I mean, look, I, I think we can d- dismiss the Brugge game. Bruges, Brugge, uh, whatever. Uh, we can dismiss that because they're just not very good. Right? You know, this is a United side that is struggling to score goals uh, against any kind of organised defence. And Brugge was certainly not that gaps all over the place, uh, which allowed Ander Herrera to, to pick out all those gaps. So, you know, a, a through ball from him, one from Massa, wasn't it? And I can't remember who played the other one for Schweinsteiger. Schweinsteiger to yeah, Herrera. Yeah, so um, just, just picked holes through that defence and, and profited from it. You know, all, all the goals were sort of short range through balls, weren't they? And uh, you know, it made United look very good from an attacking point of view. They were pretty good, uh, reasonably solid defensively as well. It was just very weak opposition. I don't, I don't think that's going to give us any any indication whatsoever of how good this United side is. It basically felt like a pre-season game. So I think we can kind of dismiss that. But it's great into the into the Champions League group stages. Have a, that's big, isn't it? Yeah, of course, it's massive and, and a pretty friendly draw as well, which is helpful. Although, I, I don't know how friendly Wolfsburg will be and, and flying all the way to Moscow isn't going to be that great. I thought it was like we got the best team we could possibly have got out of pot one. Yep. We got basically par out of pot three. And we got the worst team we could possibly have got out of pot four. Was was kind of so. So all in all, I think it's a good draw there. I mean, if you if you assess uh, what City have got, you'd prefer United's draw for sure, right? And uh, Arsenal and Chelsea, you know, a bit of a bit of a mix there. So uh, Arsenal have got Bayern Munich. Arsenal have got Bayern, right? So you know, immediately on the back foot there, Arsenal. So um, although Arsenal sneak through into the knockout stages and then lose because that's what they always do. No, we'll sneak through to the knockout stages and we'll lose because we are now Arsenal. Yeah, well, fourth place, need, desperate need of a big name striker, and instead we've spent millions on a French teenager. I, yeah, I know it's it's uncanny, isn't it? So anyway, uh, through to the Champions League, that's very good. Swansea game, uh, completely different. I mean, this is a, a Swansea side that likes to keep the ball against a United side that likes to keep the ball even more. So our 27-move sidewards <laughs> passing to do absolutely nothing in the final third of the pitch continued. 
so United had four shots on target and uh, lost 2-1. Uh, an improvement from last season's showing at Swansea where United had three shots on target uh, and lost 2-1. Yeah, lots of shots from United, lots of them from range. It's it's a big problem. You know the expected goals metric? Yeah. I saw a really funny thing, which is that every shot that Memphis Depay has had in the Premier League so far doesn't add up to an expected goal of one <laughs> based on his shot position and position of defenders around him and all that kind of stuff. He's, uh, he's, he's speculating in order to potentially accumulate, but not a lot of accumulation is happening. Swansea were just too good for United for that five minutes, weren't they? United... Van Gaal attributed it to them changing shape and United being too dominant to react to the change in shape. Yeah, I mean, this narrative is nonsense, yeah. right? Let's just call it out for what it is. It's just nonsense. So yeah. United actually, you know, a, a more reasonable analysis, had a lot of the ball in midfield, didn't do very much with it and looked quite shaky at the back. And and I think that's a much more reasonable analysis than Van Gaal, who's trying to pull the wool over our eyes. It wasn't a good performance. And, and I hope he's just saying that because... I don't know, he's protecting his players or he's feeling defensive about it and doesn't actually believe it because really, as it, you know, Martial aside, or Martial aside, United are not going to score very many goals this season. We'll see how many he contributes. He's got 11 in his career to date. Uh, and, and, you know, it might be less than 60 and less than 60 might not get United into the Champions League next season. It's remarkable, isn't it? How Van Gaal really feels about that Swansea game, probably too much to read into it, but the viral picture of his face as he was in the car park afterwards, one of the most incredible things I've ever seen in my life. It was a pug eating a wasp yeah. and a lemon all at Absolutely. the same time. Uh, having just watched his football team be abysmal. Never seen a more predictable United performance in my life. You could just write the script that like, oh, for ages we're going to have loads of uh, possession in kind of anemic possession and then we'll bring Fellaini on for 15 minutes and lump it up to him and and when Fellaini came on it was like a switch had been flicked it was extraordinary um the one thing that I wanted to say about that game though which is that Van Gaal played the exact starting 11 almost every single United fan would have picked before that game yeah very very true yeah and and so which points to the style of play being a, a bigger problem than the personnel at least in that 11 you know I, I think there are bigger holes in the squad than that and, and we can get to that when talking about transfers but uh, he did I mean he picked the pretty much the strongest team that that people would have wanted to Yanazai was out I think you know Yanazai took some criticism for the performances when he was playing at 10 but what he did do was inject some risk into that position uh, and some pace as well and and Herrera plays in a very different way right and um but United's problem and and it's one I called out of the in the preseason pod is that they're going to play very very narrow like that and it's actually quite easy to close down the space so as a result United played just four through balls in the entire game right and this is a team that is going to score from playing through balls because we're not putting any crosses in and um and and so you know just really really anemic as you said and and just not causing that many problems and 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 then the, the thing i just don't get if that's the strategy if that is if that's our number one plan that's the way we're going to win most games why is the polar opposite of that plan b right you know and not too many companies people sportsmen go, well, you know, I was jumping over backwards while doing this high jump. Now I'm going to jump over forwards because it might get me over this pole, right? Or I'm going to run the 100 metres backwards because, hey, I might run faster like that. 
It's just nonsense. It's total nonsense. And just the desperate lumping it up to Fellaini at the end just wasn't going to do any good because, you know, Swansea weren't, weren't that stupid, right? It made an immediate change. He's obviously a very smart manager, Gary Monk, because he's reacting quicker to, to changes than Louis van Gaal did. He brought on a third central defender and just nullified the threat. The decision to bring Young on for Mata was a really strange one, especially playing Young on the right. Several times, maybe three times, Young cut inside on the right, only to realise, you know, cut inside out of habit, only to realise he'd cut inside onto his wrong foot and couldn't do anything. And it was, you know, it happened over and over again. It was really noticeable. It was a very odd decision. And it's, you know, occasionally like he beat a man on the outside and put the ball into the mixer, but there was was nothing doing. And the thing that struck me about that game more than anything else was as soon as they scored that first goal, I just, everything crumbled in my heart. It was just like... That's us done. I don't. This is not a team that responds well to adversity, as far as I'm concerned now, and especially after they got that second. Did you, in at any time, think, "Oh, yeah, maybe you know, might get back into this"? Because I definitely didn't. No, not really, because United aren't that kind of style of, of team anymore. You know, coming coming back to Young, I mean, you can you can see the the thought process, right? I mean, it's very slow cog in a machine there, not a supercomputer, right? It's get it out to Young. He gets to the byline, knocks it in long to Fellaini, who heads home, right? You know, that's exactly (laughs) what they're thinking. The problem is Young's output is so, so low as a a winger. It's just remarkably low. So few chances created, so so few assists over his career that um, it's just not a very good percentage game. Would have been better just hitting straight balls into Fellaini and him nodding it down, you know. As I said on the pod last week, we might just be better if if that's going to be our tactic, if we think that is the tactic that is most likely to get United a goal when we're most desperate, is just sticking him up front all the time, you know. It's not like you're going to get any less movement than you get out of Rooney. And he's a decent finisher as well, Fellaini, you know. I mean, I'm not saying that I actually want to see United side with a big man up front and us lumping it forward. But if that's the tactic we Van Hal thinks is the one that's going to get him a goal when he needs it most, then just go for it straight away. You know. Anyway, it's it's just total nonsense. I there. kind of feel slightly different to you about the polarization of the two styles. I, I kind of I totally take your point that like in no other field would you get such an abrupt switch, and and it does speak to a sort of odd lack of faith in the his approach to football that he chucks it out the window when the going gets tough, which is something that it's exactly the opposite of what Fergie used to do, right? That the, the whole thing about United's late goals was they weren't based on chucking it into the mixer. They were based on the certainty that if you keep playing your football, you'll create chances. I completely agree. Yeah. yeah. But football is a game which allows polar opposite tactics to be successful under certain circumstances. So, I'm not quite as adamant as you that it's like totally farcical, although I definitely think it is a bit farcical. And I think what really needs to happen is when they bring Fellaini on as as a plan B, they need to not totally abandon the football. That's the thing. It's the Peter Crouch factor. I always used to say this when Peter Crouch played for England, but he would absolutely ruin England because they would just see a big man up top and and lump it to him. It's It's an unconscious thing. It's like, oh, that might work, you know, in the moment. And this is what happened when Fellaini came on. They didn't even think about building up to then, like, get a good cross in or, you know, Fellaini can get himself on the end of of a through ball. We saw that against Spurs last season at Old Trafford, didn't we? You know, so 
you can bring him on and use his presence in a in an assertive, direct way without just turning into, you know, Cambridge in the 1980s. Um, yeah, it's just all very disappointing. Yeah. And we talked about this game way longer than we said we would. But, yeah, but, it, but it was very disappointing. And they're, they're, it, was, it was disappointing the way United played. They played exactly the same way they have done against Spurs and Villa and Newcastle, unfortunately. Uh, and it was disappointing some of the the choices Van Hal made. And you know, I I'm, I'm not I'm not losing faith in Van Hal. I I, I kind of have this feeling that somehow he will win trophies with or for United. Um, but the unbelievably dull football is uh, is pretty grating. And um, and then the the strange oddball choices just don't don't help that process but you know so uh, quite a lot of it is frustration here at the moment which would have been solved of course if united had signed like we thought they would muller bale neymar and ronaldo on the final day griezmann royce uh right so let's let's try and get some sort of rough semblance of a timeline the swansea game finished everyone's sort of the 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 knives are really out for van gaal like social media has become ugly when united lose now because the people that night never were really sure about him have been joined by people who've been kind of convinced that he's a charlatan and whatever and it's not just social media but you hear it in in conversation among fans at games that you know nobody's really at games calling for his head but there's lots of people that have lost faith that he'll do the job um, it's the pub after the game magnified by 5,000. Yeah, exactly. Um, and this dynamic, then the, the last 36 hours of the transfer window become completely crucial at that point because we, we've got that, then an international break, then Liverpool becomes all really magnified by that Swansea loss. And what happens is instead of like the rumours flying around of the big name player arriving... Uh, it's like, will the last man out please switch off the lights? <laughs> Everyone's gone. I mean... Most of the outgoings, I think, are entirely reasonable outgoings. There, There's a lot of dead wood that's been got rid of in this transfer window. There is, and, and I think you can rationalise most of it, uh, and, and that's fine. But the problem is that a transfer strategy is a balance of incomings and outgoings. I, I mean, just to state the bleedingly obvious there. But sure, you know, you run, run through the players who have left, and, and mostly it's sensible. Tyler Blackett, Celtic, loan, he's going to get games. Very sensible. Ang- Angel Di Maria didn't want to be at United. United did, I guess, what they thought they could only do in that those circumstances. Johnny Evans, long predicted, he'd go. Went to West Brom. Angelo Henriquez don't really... Doesn't really count, does he? Always knew he'd leave. Reese James knew he'd leave. Sidi Yanko. That was a bit of a surprise, but you know, I guess they didn't think he was quite good enough. And and even if he and he'd be on loan if he wasn't right. Right. And as Lindegaard's been at the club what two and a half <laughs> years too long. Yeah. Nanny, we always expected to be sold. Robin van Persie, you know, we we'd rationalised that one at the end of last season, hadn't we? And, and Raphael went to Leon. You know, some of those were pretty low fees, but. What does it matter? United got so much money, it really doesn't actually matter that much, raking in some of it. So that's all, all sensible, you know. And and then there's a slightly oddball one in Adnan Yanazai. So again, you can rationalise that one and say that, oh, well, he needs games and he needs to be playing every week. And so that might make a lot of sense. And and, and uh, Dortmund played good football, even under Thomas Tuchel, the new coach, and, and that'll be a good fit for him. The, the problem, of course, is that uh, read some of the the reports uh, coming out of Dortmund or some of the fans who say he'd probably start on the bench, right? So, you know, maybe he doesn't get enough games. And and the even weirder bit is that he started for United at number 10 in three of the last four games. Uh, and it looked like he was a fully 
integrated part of the team and at least the squad and he was back and we thought he'd contribute a lot this season and suddenly he's got rid of which is bizarre when you think about how much lack of sort of skill and guile and pace there is in the United squad and, and, and Van Gaal has talked about all those things and needing them and here's a player who can do all of it a young player who's inconsistent uh, and suddenly he's out the door yeah and that is weird but here's the flip side the one thing is the rumours about him not exactly being fun to be around over the last few months. This is the, the general kind of backroom chatter that maybe there's some attitude stuff there. I don't know. No idea how true any of that is. And the other thing is that the the rationale that I've come up with in my own head about it is he's given him three games to prove himself with a view to like if he's going to be able to play the system. He's been working with Van Gaal for a year. Last year it really didn't work out for him. But that rationale doesn't really stack up, even though it doesn't stack up because no, it doesn't what, what Yanazai did in those games is exactly what you knew that Yanazai would do. He'd be bursty, sporadically effective and often ineffective. He would give away lots of ball possessions, as Van Gaal would say, and he would be inconsistent. But maybe it's just this the Valdez against Hull thing again, that he just played him to kind of put him in the shop window, but for a loan for a season, surely he's got... Nah. I, I don't buy this. I think this is me neither. I, I, I think this is such a reductive analysis. Not not you, but you know the, the that general kind of narrative. It, I don't buy it at all. And and actually, I think this is some really poor decision making because if Van Gaal really believes that Yanazai is the number ten, he'd have played him there through pre season and in the opening games of the season. Not Memphis, which I have to say was really easy to spot that he's not a number ten very very quickly, right? You know, and I'm not yeah. I'm not a twenty year veteran of the Champions League UEFA pro license coach, right? Really easy to work out that he can't play in that position, at least yet, you know, it doesn't have the nuance of of um and range of skills and passing. And and you know what, you honestly you could uh, make that same assessment about Yanazai as well, right? So he doesn't always pick out. I think he uses the ball in a more sensible fashion in that area and makes the the better runs, right? But still, there's lots about his game in, in that area, number 10, that is not quite right yet. I mean, for me, the logical situation is, given the shortages United have in attacking positions, is to keep Yanazai, assume that you're going to play him in one of the wide positions from left or right, if United are going to play slightly narrow, it's probably the right. And and you know what? We've got a couple of players who can play number 10 very well in, in Mata and and to a slightly lesser extent Herrera, you know? And and that would keep the balance, and as Van Gaal keeps talking about it, in a much better way. As, as it is, Martial is going to have to start playing and hitting the ground running straight away, and he's probably going to play on the right wing. Uh, and he's going to and Mata will be, be dropped, you know, he's the most creative player, and, and he's going to have to do it straight away. Uh, you know, no doubt about it, because uh, United are are not in a good position attacking wise, and you don't win anything when you don't score goals. And this is this is the thing that makes me think there's something has gone on behind the scenes with Yanazai that it's that it isn't just a straightforward football decision, but there's something going wrong because from a straightforward football decision perspective, I mean, all day yesterday, my working hypothesis was that we're getting a proper player in, you know, not to be nasty about Martial because maybe he's going to be brilliant, but he's not going to be brilliant against Liverpool. And even if he's brilliant against Liverpool, he's probably not going to be brilliant against Southampton or wherever it is we've got next. You know, it's, um, he is going to, there's no way Martial fires us to the title this season based on the limited amount that I know about him 
which has been mostly to do with reading around stuff today. You know, he does not have the kind of track record. Memphis has got a better track record than Martial, and we didn't really think Memphis is going to fire us to the title this season. No, well, Memphis scored 27 goals yeah, last exactly. season. Uh, Martial has 11 in his career, as you said. Yeah, is exactly. So, you know, I, like, all logic says, as brilliant as this guy might be, maybe he's a world beater in two years' time, Yeah, and United are buying for the future. The problem is they needed something right now, right? And and you can construct this kind of thesis that Van Gaal is constructing for the future. Sending Yonasai out on loan, maybe... You know, um, maybe he'll turn into a man when he comes back. Maybe the attitude problem will be sorted when he gets games. Maybe he'll grow as a player. They haven't sold him. There's no guaranteed buy clause in that contract. You know, building for the future there, integrating Memphis and Martial. And and, and so he's got this kind of long-term plan. Well, maybe, but uh, unfortunately, United also need the right now. And given, um, given Manchester City spending this season and given what we had last season and have this season I don't think United are anywhere near closer to the title now and 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 so we're fighting it out to make sure that we're a third or fourth right and that's the only logical outcome of all of this and maybe that's fine maybe there's a a three-year plan but it's, it's Van Hal's last season next season and he's he's going to have to solve quite a few problems between now and then yeah and you mentioned that thing about the long term which is something we talked about off the air before we started recording and and it is the most rose-tinted spectacle view possible of what's happening at the moment which is that Van Gaal is putting building blocks in place to leave United in a much better state than he found them and basically whatever happens from here on out he's definitely going to leave United in a better state than he found them because that squad is a couple of pieces short of being a superb squad the problem is they've had this they've had a huge length of time between the beginning of the preseason tour and the end of the transfer window and all they've done with that time is it would seem I, you know, I, I hate talking in absolute terms about these things because we get so so much information, but so little of it is high quality, rich information. You know, but it would seem that they've been fairly scattergun fairly, uh, you know, aiming very high in their transfer targets. I totally believe that the Sun had genuine insight that United were pursuing Neymar. I'm, I'm confident of that. I hate to be confident about something the Sun said, but, you know, the way that story broke, it, it did feel like a briefing to me. I, I think that all the Muller stuff was obviously totally logical that that makes sense. Bale has been bubbling in the background all summer. But these are incredible. I mean, they vary from like very, very, very difficult targets to achieve to genuinely impossible targets to achieve. Then the rumour about Royce is kind of this logical thing that you think United desperately need. I mean, God, Marco Royce would have been an incredible signing this summer. And we've sent them Yanazai. Maybe that's going to happen. But apparently United balked at Dortmund's valuation of Royce. But that's... If that's true, and I, and I can't understand half of this, the the logic behind United are very concerned about money when it came to David de Gea, it seemed, and Royce and Pedro, not concerned at all about money when it came to Martial, who whose um, whose deal is structured in a way that the United's cash exposure is minimal at the beginning, uh, but potentially extremely large depending on success, and I suppose if. If he does win the Ballon d'Or, then uh, no one will begrudge United paying another 10 million euros. But it's an extraordinary amount of money for a player who hasn't achieved that much yet in his career. And, you know, we'll we'll see where it goes. But it's the same kind of money that would have got you Raheem Sterling or Kevin De Bruyne 
for example, or Marco Royce. Yeah, and that apparent penny pinching in the market is so bizarre when you look at the outgoings. Just look at those, look at the money that's come off the wage bill. This, I don't care how much we're paying Bastian Schweinsteiger, we're much, our wage bill must be smaller this season than it was last. By a huge, Van Persie gone, Falcao gone, Nani gone, uh, Hernandez gone, on varying sliding scales of big wages, right? Yeah, well, I mean, yeah, Falcao, we didn't mention earlier, did we? You know, £250,000 a week, Di Maria on something similar. Yeah, right. And Van Persie on something similar, you know. And then, then you've got Raphael and and Nanny, both in the around 100k a week mark. Yeah. Um, Hernandez on a bit less than that. Johnny Evans on a little bit less than that. And and you're, you're talking about a saving in the 50 million pounds a year off the wage bill, something like that. And the Adidas kit deals arrived, not only giving the guaranteed money that comes, then that launch becomes the biggest launch of all time. Then we get into the Champions League proper, meaning that's locked up for another two years at least, you know, the guaranteed uh-huh. money. And, and the new TV deal comes in next season, which is a 70% rise in broadcast income, right? So, and I mean, the, the point being about- is... Yeah, the the point being that United have you know absolutely no shortage of money here, so talk of penny pinching doesn't make any sense, right? So so then you 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 scrub that and say, well, no, it wasn't about the penny pinching, and then you say that United didn't want Royce, who probably would have been available for the amount of money, um, you know, Dortmund are a selling club after all, and didn't want Pedro. Um, and and didn't want a number of other players that are available this summer, or you know, or Kem De Bruyne or, or Raheem Sterling. Not not that the latter I'd really want at United, and he's seventy five kids. But you know, but still. I mean, he's been electric. Um, like uh, some of the others, I would have, or or Griezmann, whose whose buyout clause is some people say forty eight million, right, or something like that, right? So our team is crying out for Raheem Sterling in it. You know, that like you put Raheem Sterling in that team, that's a transformational signing. It is, you know? but but him and. And Ryan Giggs in the same city at the same time is like it's dark matter, right? The universe it just ends. Well, they are in the same city at the same time. Well, of course. that's true. But one's away when the other one's at home, so it's okay. That'd be quite interesting, wouldn't it? It's um, it's just, it's just been really, really, really weird. And I think also, it's also really important to reflect that it's not been by any stretch of the imagination a disastrous transfer window. There are there are. Two or maybe uh, generously three absolutely key issues which have been smashed out of the park in this transfer window. Looks like we bought a right back for half a generation, you know, a, a, an absolute bargain, the, the, the right back we've needed for such a long time. Obviously, the midfield is we've bought a Carrick replacement before Carrick's gone. That is wonderful. We bought Schweinsteiger for the here and now who can do all the things we've talked about Schweinsteiger doing. And Depay at Memphis is. is you know, it does look like he's got the potential to be an extremely good player if he gets it and, and you know, certainly worth the fee paid and certainly a longer term solution to a, an area that's been a problem for a long time. Martial, I, I couldn't say whether that's the same as him, but I'm going to have some faith in the club scouting network, even though we did buy Bebe a couple of seasons ago. But, you know, I'm going to have some faith in the system and say he's probably worthy of the kind of deal that that's been constructed you know or at least 
if not worthy of that astronomical money, at least a kind of good signing that's going to be a good one for the future. Right, right. He, I mean, he, you know, he good good sources. Lekip is actually, you know, not one of the trashier papers. Uh, had had uh, Monaco and Tottenham agreeing a twenty five million euro fee earlier in the season. So I think you know we know United paid a premium because it's done on close to the last the last possible moment in the transfer window. Um, but they scouted him for a long time. He's a very talented player and. And they're gambling on on a future there. You know, you're right. Like, there's lots of positives there, um, and you can add to those positives the growth in Luke Shaw um, over the summer too, because he's been excellent. I I wouldn't actually blame him for much of went wrong. What went wrong against uh, Swansea, although both the goals came from the right, they, it's much more the kind of inside left central defensive <laughs> area that was the problem there. <laughs> Um, as well as the goalkeeper, we didn't we? Didn't talk about that. Oh, God. oh my right. God! Well, we'll come on to the subject of goalkeepers in a minute. Yeah, no we certainly will. Right. So you know, th- there are plenty of positives, and and we've had a whole summer. We've got a system and stuff which is in place. Well, you know, rights and wrongs of that. But they didn't fix all the problems. And and Van Hal talked about uh, balance so often. Yet I kind of feel our balance is skewed even more. This year, really? you know, better players, no doubt, no doubt, better players. But our situation in goal, in central defence, and up front is super, super fragile, right? So we are one injury in central defence from being absolutely screwed. And um, as much as praise has gone to to Smalling this season, and and some to Blint, who uh, I think will be found out. I think we saw that at the weekend. We, we've got major problems. De- David de Gea is going to have to get his head right very, very quickly. And Wayne Rooney is going to, I don't know, um, see Justin Gatlin's doctor or something because uh, it's not going to happen otherwise. Yeah, I don't know that I think that we are less balanced that we, than we were because I think we've got decent cover in most positions on the pitch. It's just that we haven't fixed the thing that we, I guess the thing that everyone was crying out for as the, the biggest area. It kind of trans, transitioned almost as, as the summer went on. First for the kind of presumption was that centre-half would be the biggest area to address. And then as we sold more and more strikers, it became like, well, wait a minute, we need to do something about that too. So it's like, I think that across the whole of the pitch, there's a decent amount of balance now that wasn't there before. And certainly like we've got a decent structural midfield that wasn't there before. We've got the fullback, you know, all that stuff. But the fact that they've not bought in either a striker or a central defender, I guess Martial maybe is a striker. He's not a number nine. He's a multifunctional striker, right? Well, he is Um, literally the number nine, but yeah. Yeah, he is literally the number nine, of course. But Rooney is literally the number 10. (laughs) But yeah, so the it's kind of interesting that Martial didn't get uh, Yanazai's number while he was on loan. That's a small side point. Saving it for Bale in January. Uh-huh. Oh, or Neymar. <laughs> or Neymar. Uh, but yeah, anyway, um, the uh, can we talk about goalkeepers? Because yeah. Romero, it was like, oh God, no, we can't have a series <laughs> season of Romero. That The first goal, you kind of look at it and think, I kind of don't want to say it, but I think De Gea might have saved that. And then the second goal, you're like, oh, De Gea would definitely have saved that, you know? Yeah, I mean, the first one, he is too close to him. It does hit the corner of the... Of the goal, but as it's going past him, it's just too close. He he can do better there. I think a top-class keeper saves that. It's hard to call it an error, but I think a top-class keeper saves that. All conjecture, of course. Can't prove that one. Uh, second one, oh dear. First, I thought he went through his legs, but uh, it didn't. It was just very close to him. But uh, he's beaten at the near post. That's a, a horrible rick. Um, definitely an error leading to goal, yeah. as Opta put it. 
Um, I think there'll be a few of those. He's he's a significant downgrade, but we knew that. And uh, I, I know there there was an attempt by some people to um, to uh, you know rationalise this. I think I've used that word an awful lot this this podcast. But uh, he, he's just he's 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 made a great case for being United's number two. But why do you say that we're going to see loads of those out of him? Because this problem, I mean, first of all, he would have been number two anyway because Navas was coming. Second of all, Valdez is staying and the brilliant story on the UWS podcast was well worth your time as a general rule, but it was a really good story about Valdez basically just convinced that he'll make up with Van Gaal because they're both eager maniacal idiots and have fallen out before and made up again. It's like, he's never been that bothered about leaving, which is brilliant. I love that. But anyway, that is now secondary because the mother of all transfers stories the most remarkable possible ending to a summer of grinding endless depressing speculation it was all done and dusted see you dave it's sad that you're going but we've still got some decent keepers here wait what sorry what was that no dave de gea is a red is a red is a red dave de gea is a red accidentally I mean, just what happened, Ed? What happened? Well, it depends whose statement you believe, yeah. Uh, it's it not quite as far... Well, yeah, no, it's more farcical than and Herrera's imposters, although that was very funny too. But uh, yeah, it seems that United submitted their part of the deal on the trans- FIFA's transfer matching system at 11.58pm uh, Spanish time and Real Madrid tried to submit their part of the deal at, at uh, 12.02 Spanish time. In fact, those are the only parts over the timeline that the two clubs fundamentally agree on. You know, if this was a court case, you'd be uh, you'd be calling in Sarah Koenig to give us a podcast on it, wouldn't you? <laughs> uh, because there's some there's some uh, wonkiness in the narrative on both sides. So, well, there's definitely something weird going on with Adnan anyway. Yeah, well, no, totally right. Um but yeah, I, I who do you believe, right? So so uh, Manchester United say that uh, Real Madrid didn't didn't open negotiations until lunchtime on Monday. It was the first time they'd ever submitting an official bid for David De Gea despite having you know obviously agreed to deal with him months ago that they came to an agreement they insisted on on getting Navas I think we should talk about him in a bit too but you know they insisted on getting Navas as part of the deal came to an agreement on a, a 29 million pounds combined fee uh, Dave Navas plus cash um, and that they submitted all the documents and, and, you know, took a little time to negotiate with Navas's people who you didn't really want to help because he didn't want to move and, and submitting all the documents on time and Real Madrid was just very slow about it. Now, Real Madrid, on the other hand, basically say it's all, it's all Manchester United's fault. They didn't, they took eight hours to, to send the paperwork back and then they send it back too late. Which one do you believe? I mean, genuinely, like, I really do believe United. It's ridiculous. I'm I'm very, very uh, worried about perception bias here, but I feel like Real Madrid are probably the baddies. They normally are, yeah. Yeah, Real Madrid tend to be the bad. I mean, first of all, Madrid have got an absolute cheek complaining about United leaving things late when they didn't submit the bid till yesterday. That was just brinkmanship, right? All the way through, they've been waiting for United to drop the price, and to be fair to old Woodward, he was like, no, we're not dropping the price. This is the price you meet. This price you can have him. That's it. Well, they did drop the price, but like by about four million pounds. But still, yeah, no. Did they though? Yeah, well, yes, because, you know, they were demanding 33 million 
euros at one stage and the, the 33 million pounds 40 million euros and took a bit less than that Navas is worth more than that the difference isn't is he? he well Madrid paid 10 million pounds for him last summer and they're calling it 11 million as part of this yeah but there you go um but anyway the, the the Madrid's brinkmanship has blown up in their face and that is hilarious and and also Madrid did it to get the late win in the transfer window right because that's very Madrid. That's exactly what they did with Bale. That's very Madrid, yeah. Because, you know, Dave had the special suit cut out and everything. Oh. Twitter was the very best night of Twitter in history. It, it was, and, and there are some dark times on Twitter these days. Um, <laughs> yeah. uh, it's, you know, the herd is is definitely fully on board. But uh, no, no, it was, it was very funny. I mean, all the stories going round about United sending the document in a format that Madrid could open <laughs> or with a password. Uh, I tweeted the little, um, the little paper clip. <laughs> about a thousand people retweeted it. Looks like it you're trying to buy a hair. Would you like help with that? <laughs> Pretty much, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I mean, you know, it was extremely funny, but uh, I mean, you know, it's extremely funny in a way because, um, if they can get De Gea in the in the right frame of mind, then look, the money doesn't really matter. It really doesn't. And to get a, a final season out of out of De Gea and not have to suffer Romero or Valdez or some mix of them, unless unless we get special dispensation to play both of them in the same <laughs> in the team at the same time, uh, it'd be kind of good because uh, Valdez is an unreal last gasp shot stopper. Yeah, and Romero kind of looked all right at the kind of controlling his area stuff. Yeah, yeah. So um, you know, but but if they can get De Gea's mentality right and and he plays, uh, you know, to somewhere near his best form, then then it's a massive bonus for United, you know, definitely, uh, and it could be the difference between United qualifying for the Champions League or not, given the other shortcomings. I mean, I was thinking about this because that Swansea game, I mean, genuinely, genuinely, could construct an argument that De Gea would save United all three points in that game, and at least one of them. Yeah. You know, we'd already be one or three points better off if De Gea had started every game. Yeah. You know, so, and it's very early days yet. And so I'm going to give you my take on, on De Gea and his mentality and Van Gaal and all that. And, and my working theory, unsurprisingly, is one of reasonable optimism because I don't think it's just blind optimism, but I never do. Um, the fact that Euro 2016 is happening is absolutely crucial. He's going to want to play this season... I definitely don't think he hates Manchester United or anything. He's, he's not in a, a Di Maria situation. He wanted to move to Madrid because that was a much better situation for him. He's going to get an absolutely rapturous reception from Old Trafford, right? I mean, that's what Old Trafford's like. For all its faults, that Old Trafford crowd is going to get behind De Gea when he's running up to the Stretford end to go into the net. It's going to be his name ringing out, isn't it? Um there's no way Van Gaal is going to hold it against De Gea all season because he's too good. You know, he's just too good and he hasn't really done anything that wrong as far as I can tell. I don't know. Those those are my theories anyway. What are you, what's your working theory on this? Yeah, I, I mean, I think he's going to have to pull it together. I'm, I'm, he's almost in a position where he's, he's not challenged for the number one Spain jersey. I mean, uh, Casillas, the, the myth of Casillas is finally broken, right? He's, he's off to Porto and... I wonder whether that might break some of that myth for the Spanish national team too. And then there's not much after that, right? I mean, Casilla. Well, Casilla, well, yeah, the new the new Real Madrid keeper. Yeah, well, we'll see. He's not in the squad at the moment. Um, and there's Sergio Rico, isn't there? Sevilla keeper. You know, Valdez, Crocs, not playing. So so all of a sudden, Spain's 
strength in depth in goalkeeping looks a bit weaker these days. So, you know, it's definitely wide open for De Gea to keep it. But of course, you know, absolutely he's going to want to keep his shirt and and that means performing for United. And it, it definitely can't have that shirt if he's rotting in the reserves. Um, so, you know, he's going to have to get his head right pretty quickly. Um, and so is his missus, unfortunately for her. He really does not like Manchester. And I mean, you know, I did feel a bit sad for him. It's like, that must be a heck of a blow to be on the verge of kind of everything working out exactly as you'd like it to and then it all falls apart at the last minute. Yeah, I'd be on the phone to, to Senor Perez saying, why didn't you make the bid three months ago? I mean, this is the, the, the other, this is fanciful optimism. I don't think the first part was, but the fanciful optimist in me says... I can definitely also see a line of thinking that goes, wait a minute, I've just been absolutely shafted by Real Madrid here. I'm going to play for United, get offered another massive contract at the state for 10 years. <laughs> Especially if Madrid get a transfer ban next year. Yeah, well, I mean, yeah, we'll we'll see about that one. Y- y- We've also seen what the transfer ban did to Barcelona's spending. Yeah, it didn't make any difference. Yeah, you, you pay a player enough and he doesn't really care about playing anymore. Uh, <laughs> which could be said of many, many players. Nanny, Anderson. Yeah. Uh, and so on. Yes. Uh, well, we'll, we'll see. Yeah, it's, a lot of that is speculative and... and uh, you know, we don't know whether whether that will go the the same route as the Barcelona um, thing did, and, and they'll get a couple of window ban. Maybe, maybe not. Um, but yeah, Dave ought to be angry with Madrid, right? Just for to save a few million pounds, they uh, they they basically shafted him. Unless you believe one of the conspiracy theories is that they are going to pay him such a massive signing on for a you know for signing for free that the 12 million pound bonus that he's going to get will solve a lot of problems you know he can hire that private jet and go and see Adirne every week yeah maybe so um it's going to be absolutely fascinating but i think i don't see how it can be anything other than good news for united i mean i guess in a way it's a problem delayed for a season but on the other hand, you've then got another year to kind of pick out replacements. Right. And 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 in a way, and, you know, I'm not sure if this will be a, a popular opinion, but in a way they've dodged a bullet because Kaelin Navas is, is a good keeper, but he's not a great keeper. Mm. Uh, and maybe United, you know, can get themselves in the situation. You've got a year to plan here, Ed. Year to plan. Even you can get this right, mate. And if you can't get it right, just call Jorge up. I mean, apparently... He'll get it done for you and go get the right All man. the spin is saying that Mendes was not involved in the Martial deal. Not involved at all. No involvement of Mendes in the Martial deal. I, I'm calling B- BS on that one. Uh, he's United's go-to man. I know he's not He's not a player's agent, <laughs> but he's United's go-to man for fixing problems. Not many problems were fixed. Because we, we bought one... Well, uh, we got Romero and then Martial between the big set of signings and the end of the transfer window. And no Galactico, Schweinsteiger, but, you know, that's that's a wonderful signing and it's great. Fading Galactico. Absolutely. And, you know, Adidas are marketing that for all they're worth because he's Mr. Adidas. And and I love Schweinsteiger and I thought he was actually pretty good against Swansea for a good chunk of that game. And I like his new chant a lot. Um, And, you know... That's great, but but United didn't have the transfer window they wanted to have, and I think there's there's probably some perspective required in that. Yeah, we didn't solve all the problems that we had in the squad in the one transfer window, and that's when you just say it like that. Seems fair enough that it takes more than one transfer window to do it, but 
there did feel like an awful lot of downtime in this transfer window and an awful lot of money left on the table in this transfer window. So, look, um, that's fair enough. You, you can't solve all the problems in one transfer window. But actually, Van Hals had three transfer windows here. And, uh, and you know, that gives you a little, little bit of a different perspective on things. So he's had a lot of time. United have had a lot of time uh, to solve their problems. And um, it calls into question the club's planning, right? So for the third transfer window, summer transfer window in a row, they are desperately scrabbling around at five to two in the morning, trying to pull anyone they can. And and everyone knows that, that if you're going to do that, it's better to go ugly early. And if you're not going to go ugly early, buy Neymar early. I mean, I, I, I definitely that I think that point is extremely sound. I think the point about free transfer windows, I wasn't what, going ugly early. <laughs> is it was that always your strategy, no. mate? I know, of course not. Um, the uh, the thing um, with the three transfer windows, I totally take that point. But I was just saying the problems that existed at the end of last season. I was not expecting all of those to be fixed by the beginning of this, by the end of this transfer window. You know, but in retrospect, I feel like there's been some very peculiar decisions, which also might play out over time. I think the really weird one is Pedro, right? That is super maximum top level weird. And the other one is the kind of Hummels or Ramos or bust approach to centre-back. Seems odd, you know, that that seems like a a peculiar approach to it. And, and very Van Gaal, very kind of idiosyncratic and the kind of the worst of Van Gaal in a way, unless it, unless you just get the alchemy absolutely right and it kind of works for him, which it does sometimes. The Pedro one is the biggest one, though, for me because it's so obvious that that team, you just put Pedro in it and everything up front looks different instantly. And and those kind of impact players are rare, as we've seen by the fact that we have not been able to buy any of them. I think, you know, buying a huge top-level Rooney replacement, which would have been the dream, I think that was never really on the cards because you're not going to replace Rooney this season. That's that's a job for next summer, maybe, or the, heaven forbid, the summer after, you know. Oh, God. Well, uh, he's on such a mega contract. I, I worked it out uh, a couple of weeks ago. So he's got, we've got 199 more weeks of Wayne Rooney on £300,000 a week. And that works out to just shy of £60 million pounds, uh, in wages. And, you know, that puts some of this stuff into perspective because also, like, you say free transfer windows and we still haven't fixed the squad. But the squad was absolutely destroyed. The combination of Ferguson leaving and Moyes coming in, like, it's not all Moyes' fault by any means. It's a hospital pass for Moyes, right? It is, yeah. I mean, um, it, it was it was funny. Um, uh, I've forgotten the journalist now. Apologies if this is you. But someone was tweeting that interview from 2013 with, with David Gill. I almost called him David Hill then. <laughs> David Hill! <laughs> uh, David Hill, safe hands uh, of the Galuminati fame, uh, about how he's saying that the new manager wouldn't make, make you know major change in the squad because uh, there's a great balance to the age range and, and Ferguson's left him a, a legacy and all this kind of stuff. Hmm, wasn't quite true, was it? But, you know, it's fascinating because there's a series of players that have left whose story at United could have been really different. Like Johnny Evans, I know you just, I don't know, maybe you never rated him at all or you just never thought he was quite at the right level. Raphael, I definitely think, could have been Kagawa 
maybe it's a little on the fence, but it's not impossible that it would have worked out. Getting another three good years out of Robin Van Persie could have been done if it was handled properly. Phil Jones and Chris Smalling's development was not set in stone at that point. Yeah. You know, they're, yeah. they're, like if Fergie had taken that team on for another five-year cycle, we wouldn't be here now. He wouldn't have shipped half of them out and we'd be failing. You know, he'd have been competing to the le- for the league with that squad with some additions. Yeah, and, and for much of that, you can blame David Moyes right, for destroying their confidence and, and, and Van Gaal for his idiosyncrasies, you know, and he's just decided he doesn't like some players. Yeah. Um, doesn't rate them highly enough and, and he's been given the money to go and get others, mostly. One thing that slightly worries me about Van Gaal is genuinely like seems a bit like problematic in his attitude towards South American people. Like, there's a certain prejudice there that's... Well, well uh, maybe he's just a big Patrice Evra fan. <laughs> maybe, yeah. Anyway, um, the, uh, the transfer window is shut and it's kind of like... In a way, that's I've just been waiting for this day for months on end because it is absolutely exhausting. The the constant speculation and the oh, what what would Man United's look, lineup look like with this player in it? You know, all this kind of nonsense it just gets you, to you. You should after uh, a while. you should you should write for rant. We don't do any transfer speculation. <laughs> would you like to pay me to do that? Ed? <laughs> sure, if someone is happy to sponsor Paul's column and uh, you want to pay him to write a thousand words a week, then uh, go ahead. Um, yeah, uh, get in touch, Paul at UnitedRant.co.uk. But yeah, the uh, the transfer window being over is a blessed relief. But I can't help feeling like this horrible anticlimax of like, oh no, the thing that we really needed to happen for the season ahead to be a triumph just hasn't happened. I don't see any way we win the league from here. Now, the one good thing, the one like tiny note of optimism is. Almost every Bayern Munich fan would have said that the season that that Van Gaal won the league with them, you know. So he's a very good manager. He can do some pretty amazing things. Uh, It just doesn't look like it's happening at United and it doesn't look like the ingredients are there. At Machine Gun, friend of the rank cast, wrote a brilliant column for Squawker about uh, the need to play Herrera at number 10. And he there was a brilliant passage in it about um, Van Gaal's Alkmaar side and how the number nine and uh, the two wingers are incredibly pacey and dynamic and physical. And when you have that quality up front, it makes all the static football of the midfield make so much more sense because loads of space gets created and defenders get occupied and all that kind of stuff. And they're having to deal with multiple threats all the time. But just you know, his personnel doesn't offer that. Mata is a wonderful player, but the the physicality isn't just isn't a factor. Depay has got all this massive talent, but just isn't there yet. And then, look, sorry, everyone, there's Rooney. And bless your heart if you're listening to this and you're absolutely convinced that Wayne Rooney is a brilliant footballer who's still an absolute world beater. But it's just just looks wider than mark to me from an analytical perspective it just looks like it's yeah it's it's well wider than mark and 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 look sorry let's let's just be cold about it compare it to the city side right now and we're not in a good situation right so crass analysis but how many united players get into the city sides uh well depends the goalkeeper if it's if it's (laughs) de gea it is it's happened he's still here yeah both fullbacks 
None of the central defenders, I don't think. Uh, Company started the season very well. Whatever he was drinking last season, he's got over it. Central midfield, well, you know, you can you can toss up some of that, but uh, oh, that, that for sure, like you play Torre and Silva are in that side, right? <laughs> yeah, I think <laughs> no doubt about it. So's on form Sterling and so's Aguero. So, um, you know. And, and Pezos Navas walks into the United side and they're trying to replace well, he, him he probably does. City, you know. I, well, with De Bruyne, who would definitely walk into the <laughs> yeah. United side. So, so, so yeah, Navas is speedy uh, right-wing Spaniard. We wouldn't want anyone like that, would we? <laughs> <laughs> and, and, you know, you could say the same about Chelsea. I think a few more United players get into the Chelsea side because they've got... A few more personal. I mean, I made this point on Twitter the other day, and, and I don't think it's that many, really. But, I mean, they've had a very poor start to the season. I don't expect them to continue that way. Although, um, Mourinho implosion is fully possible. It is, this is the time when he implodes, you know. It, it is, it is, yeah. I mean, he just, didn't he just sign a new contract, though? I mean, his, his payout is going to be magnificent. But I don't think Roman Abramovich is going to be that bothered about that, somehow. Mm-hmm. But yeah, so this is the reality of the situation we're in. This 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 transfer window has smashed the central midfield problem into the mists of history. Uh, a problem as old as this very podcast itself, Ed. I believe our central midfield problem started at almost exactly the time the rank cars did, and it is it is finally over. We've replaced Roy Keane uh, finally with Bastian Schweinsteiger, and we've replaced Michael Carrick before he's retired. The kind of opposite ends of the replacement. Uh, approaches so you know that that's great yeah funny though with the with the balance of the squad we've got now i I can't help feeling that there should be a way of getting herrera and massa and a pacey wide player in the side at the same time and that might be playing herrera eight um you know i know there's plenty of argument for playing herrera at 10 but he's not a natural number 10 uh, you know not in the same way um, he's a controlling player, as Van Gaal calls him, not a second striker. So, um, and at eight, as Van Gaal likes to talk about these positions, seems like his more natural position. Of course, he can he can cause much trouble further forward. So, anyway, but if you play him at eight, then so you talking about like playing him. And, and one of Schweinsteiger, Schneiderlin, or Carrick next to him is, with Matarad. Exactly, Adam. yeah, which would open United up and and uh, and uh, help United score more goals, and maybe they'd be more open at the back, of course. Which is, you know, I, I don't expect any of that to happen. The point I was trying to make is is that um, we might fix the central midfield problem, but I'm not sure the balance is quite right. You know, with two holding there and a bunch of slow players in front of them, it's just very ponderous. And maybe Martial will fix that. Maybe he won't. He's not going to fix it, though. He's not, though. It's like, I mean, I hate to be down on it, but there's there's no way we can rightly expect a teenager to come in and transform this side. Cristiano Ronaldo, at the age of 18, wouldn't fix the problems in this side. You know, he, he had a very, very good debut against Bolton, but Cristiano Ronaldo had many, many bad games for United in his first two seasons. Yeah, a couple of, took him a couple of seasons to get into it. Anyway... So that was the transfer season. <laughs> season? Transfer season? Transfer summer? Transfer window that was? Over. We don't have it to is. talk about it. Until we, can, we can now talk about football for the next three months. Yes. Um, although, sadly, that's not quite as exciting as it used to be. <laughs> yeah. May, maybe so. Um, um, should, we, uh, should we just do a couple of Twitter questions since we've got some in when I mentioned we were recording? Go for it. All right. Uh, biggest transfer scandal of the summer. Uh, Berahino to Spurs, De Gea to Real, or Henry Winter to the Times? Ouch. 
Got to be the H, dog. The H. I'm sad he's going, so sad he's going behind a paywall. He's my favourite of all of them. Yeah. Man's on holiday. He's on gardening leave, getting exclusive interviews with the United players, the, the English players in the MLS. Not for anyone, just for his own Twitter account. Mad props. Mad props to the H, dog. Very good. At James McKeown Esquire says, does MUFC deal appropriately and efficiently in its transfers? Brilliant. <laughs> Brilliant line at the end of the the United statement. Manchester United deals appropriately and efficiently with its transfers and is delighted that fans' favourite double player of the season, David De Gea, remains a United player. It's just lovely. Double double player of the season, double speak, I think. Uh, It's more appropriate there. Yeah, very, very United, that one. Well, look, um, that was funny, some of it. Uh, I I think, honestly, my assessment is it's about two-thirds of the job done. Uh, maybe we couldn't have done any better, but um, it doesn't half feel like the planning isn't quite right. Um, there's lots of talk after Fergie left of United's transfer and scouting system being extremely antiquated. Um, and it still feels that way, right? Still dealing with the mega agents in order to get deals done, um, not having a structure in place. If Van Gaal goes tomorrow, it all changes again. Right? And, and uh, that is part of my problem. Um, with the way United deal with things. I'm not sure that's appropriate. I guess not. Uh, everything's changed, right? Fergie's gone and everything's changed. And it's it's we're just a totally different club now. We've got to deal with the thing that normal clubs have to deal with where you go from one manager to another manager and all that kind of stuff, you know. Yeah, but but what happens then is you have a structure in the background. Yeah. That, um, that, you we know, haven't got that yet. but haven't, it's... haven't got that yet, and I don't think we'll have it under Van Gaal because he's another autocrat. But uh, maybe in time, you know, will work that one out and we won't be desperately scrabbling around for players at the last minute. Anyway, so one last thing. We always do a prediction on the show. Who I do the Rams Premier predictions every year. I decided to leave it until after the transfer window because four years in a row, everything I predicted you just kind of chuck out the window because <laughs> because everything changes a month into the season. I really do wish they'd finished the the uh, the transfer window before the season starts. Beginning anyway, of June so to the who's end gonna, of June. Who is going to win the Who is going to win the Premier League? Where are you, what's your what's your top four? Where are United going to finish, and who are going to win the major cups? Okay, Manchester City are going to win the Premier League. I want to say United are going to finish third, right? But that's that is pure heart overhead. There's no there's no kind of there's no reason to me that cries out that we're going to finish above Arsenal this season. I mean. Arsenal are flaky. I can think of a million reasons they're not going to win the league. But finish above us? How difficult is that going to be for Arsenal? How many points are we going to drop? How many goals are we going to score? So I think right now, I'm going to just give give you totally how I feel. In all honesty, I think it's going to go City, Chelsea, Arsenal, United, top four. Major Cups, I think uh, Stoke City will win the League Cup. Uh, does Mark Hughes play proper teams in the League Cup? He doesn't, does he? I don't know. He's got a bigger squad these days. Yeah, packed full of kind of, you know, Barcelona flaky wingers. Yeah. Yeah. So what's happened to Stoke? What have they done? What have they done to themselves? We need a new place for a wet and windy Wednesday night because Stoke's a pushover now. It's like playing... All that uh, tippy-tappy, yeah. <laughs> yeah, Deportivo La Coruña or something. Um Actually, they were a pretty physical side in their heyday, weren't they? But anyway, so yeah, major cups. I'm not going with Stoke. I'm, I'm revising that answer. I'm going to go with Tottenham Hotspur to win the League Cup out of weirdness and Chelsea to win the FA Cup. All right. 
Yeah. And uh, Barcelona to win the Champions League, I guess, although nobody ever wins it back to back. No, they don't. They don't. We did make some uh, predictions earlier this season, but I think, you know, I'm going to have to revise mine because I said Chelsea, but Manchester City's forward line just looks awesome, right? Yeah. They're going to score a lot of goals and I think that's going to make the difference. So so I'm, I think I'm going to go with the same four as you in the same order, actually. City, Chelsea, Arsenal, United. And then it's going to be something like Liverpool, Spurs after that. And then we'll see. It's mad, isn't it? It's, it's, it's it is. mad how... Because I think that day one of the season, we both said United would finish third. And you, you could say it's not a huge drop from third to fourth. But at this point, I think maybe we, I might have even said second. But at this point, you just don't see where the goals are coming from. It's still too early to say. But the problem is like the, the too early thing. The only way goals come is if Rooney finds sustained form. In this side, the way the side's set up. Or if he just ditches Rooney together all together and plays Flaney up front or maybe plays Martial at nine and Rooney at ten or something. But I just don't know where the goals are coming from, Ed. No, I think you're right. A, a change in system. And now watch us absolutely tonk Liverpool and play world-class football and win 3-0. And... Yeah, but Rooney's not going <laughs> to do that, is he? Because he never does anything <laughs> against Liverpool. Scored, didn't he, uh, he actually, score in the 3-0 last season? Yeah, yeah, he did. But I think looking at him, he, he looks frustrated quite quickly. I'd, I'd bet that player was going to get sent off in the game against Swansea. I, I might just have a little punt on Rooney getting sent off against Liverpool. It, it could happen. Anyway, so rest of the predictions. Um, Cups, I, I think they're going to go with Chelsea and City, one or the other, because actually Chelsea play a lot of strong players in the League Cup uh, in the later round. So, yeah, uh, Real Madrid to win the European Cup. Oh, really? Under Benitez, hey, he win- uh, Chelsea won it under Benitez. He, win- he wins, he wins, uh, he wins cups. Benitez does. Yeah. He's not. Oh no, Chelsea won it. Who, who Chelsea, Chelsea won it under manager? Roberto Di Matteo. Even more oh, random, and, course, and Liverpool yeah. won it under Benitez. Um, that's uh, that is that is a bold prediction. Benitez is Madrid. They're De Gea less. They're going to just concede a million goals now. Yeah, but of course, you know he's going to get sacked in November, and Fergie's going to come out of retirement and take over. <laughs> One of my very favourite Twitter accounts at the Banter Narrative uh, did a tweet which was um, just a link to that Real Madrid statement and just in quotes, look, I'm the Real Madrid manager. If I want to take over the website for 10 minutes, I'm allowed to. <laughs> the implication being that it was very fact, that rant. Well, United didn't get their facts. Right, <laughs> it was quite reassuring that it wasn't actually a fax machine problem. The, the football does appear to have moved away from the fax machine at last. It's all document libraries and uploading nowadays. They probably do it on their phones. Do, do you know what? Someone's going to hack into that system one day and United will have Bale, Neymar, <laughs> Muller, Messi. It's <laughs> the only way it's actually ever going to happen. <laughs> That's it. And you have to do it then. They have to come and play for us. That's the rules. All right. So we can revise our predictions against about the Liverpool game, even though it's still after the international break. I think I predicted a 15-0 win to us for that game. It seems unlikely. It does. I'm going to go with a 2-1 win to United. Yeah, I, I already said 2-1 to United. Oh, so I'm going go. to stick with that, even Fair though enough. I can't really see where United are going to score <laughs> two goals from. Own, right. own goal and deflection. You are my men. <laughs> We've really reached a sort of a new peak of pessimism for this podcast because one thing you can never really accuse us of, Ed, is not fundamentally believing that Manchester United are going to beat whoever they play next. This is the We are the Mark Lawrenson of predicting Manchester United results. Like, 
an hour of kind of talking about the problems that exist and the difficulties we've had in the previous game. And then the end of it is like, yeah, but we're definitely going to win the next game. But honestly, like my heart's not in this one. I, uh, I'm I'm very concerned about the fact that we're not we've just stopped scoring goals. So one thing I oh, just before we finish, sorry, it's gone on for ages, I know, but the one thing I really don't think makes any sense is the people that want us to sack Van Gaal. Because I think that would be bedlam to do that at this point. I feel like it whatever really whatever happens this season, unless there's an absolutely top manager totally lined up and ready to go we might as well just keep Van Gaal for the three years and let him see out the project yeah of course uh, Pep and Kloppo are available next summer just you know just putting it out there There's, that's that's thrown the moral dilemma cat amongst the uh, managerial longevity pigeons <laughs> and on that fine fine note <laughs> we'll, we'll end for this week um it's kind of been fun, hasn't it? Oh, yeah. Um, uh, I'm not sure United have fixed all their problems, but, you know, we can actually talk about football from now. And I'm looking forward to that. So yes. we'll see you after yes. the international break. Have a great week in a bit.